You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. For the Lord, this is Roger coming to you on... My, yes, I, I did almost forget the name of our fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is why when you're heavily medicated, you don't do two things at the same time, even if it's just looking up the fucking date. It is the 18th of September. <laughs> it legitimately is Monday, and we're all fucking here. For the last time, Yay. just the three of us, because as I announced on Twitter, we are actually making a very big change to the podcast, and that is going to be starting on Monday of next week, we're bringing Marty in full time. So he is actually going to be joining us, not just continuing on our D&D as well as our Shadowrun, but he's actually going to be joining these episodes too. So it's going to be a lot of fun and we are very much looking forward to it. It's actually the biggest change we've had since, what, 2009 when Vince started? So this is going to be shaking things up and it is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, to be fair, I pretty much assume that you're just kind of bored with being angry at me and Vince. And so you wanted to take things out on Marty as a change of pace, keep it fresh. And this is why you both agreed to it so readily. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, pretty much the new guy anymore. <laughs> All right, let's start. We've got quite a bit to talk about, primarily because we had a Nintendo Direct uh, last week. So we're going to start with that, move on to, of course, some Destiny news and a few other items. So Vince, it's all yours. Go for it. Yeah, last week we got the Nintendo Direct, and all anybody could talk about was Mario's nipples. But we're going to set that aside and get to the actual games that they showed off. Did you see the Photoshop <laughs> picture of him in the tub with uh, the Witcher dude? Yeah, with terrible <laughs> He's giving him a hand job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was funny. And so they had four Spotlight games, uh, which we're going to wrap back around to. But I wanted to start off with what they had, they called the headlines or whatever they had. It's basically a lot of announcements, many of which we'd seen before. So I'm going to skip over everything that's, you know, oh, Skyrim, that's a thing. Yeah, we don't care. But uh, <laughs> as far as some of the smaller things they showed off, uh, they started with the 3DS this time around, confirming that, yes, that still exists and still a thing. Uh, one of the ones that I was actually happy to see is uh, that the 3DS is getting a new version of Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga which was on the Game Boy Advance, if I remember correctly. And oh, yeah. Yes, it was. I, I Of the, like, Mario RPGs that have come out since, you know, the Mario RPG, I of the ones I've played, at least, Superstar Saga was by far my favorite. I adored that game. Gameplay was fun and simple and rewarding. The game just had a charm to it with all kinds of fun characters, like... I'm glad that this is getting brought out again because it it was a fantastic game in its time. Well, it's getting an update too. Like it's getting another game mode that's coming along with it, which I think is kind of exciting because now you're getting an adventure mode where you can play as Koopa's troops trying to find where Bowser is. Like, and I think that's that's really cool because it's not just getting a completely remastered version of the game. You're getting a whole new game with it. Yeah, that's... That's great because someone like you and me who's already played the game, yeah, we're interested in playing it again because we enjoyed it. But this gives extra incentive to pick up a new version. It's, it doesn't feel quite as much like double dipping. Yeah, and I, I, I like I, I'm getting value for my dollars. Part. I know exactly where mine is. 
Yeah, a lot of that ten, stuff ten got feet lost over, over the course of a couple moves. So <laughs> I'm happy. Roger, did you ever play the first one? No, no. The a lot of those initial, uh, be it Game Boy or Game Boy Colors or all those, I played a little bit of games, but they were the kids' toys. Like that was again after my time essentially so i played with them but early on when karen and i were first together with the kids we didn't have a lot of money and also not a lot of time because mm-hmm. raising three and then four kids so a lot of those early game boy and things like that i actually didn't play too much of them i didn't get a chance mm-hmm. all right so the next one up that they had was kirby battle royale a multiplayer online kind of versus style game where you have you know four people as four different kirby's and Battle it out in certain game modes with uh, all of Kirby's different powers. It okay, like it didn't do much for me. I'm not a massive Kirby fan. Like I don't mind it, but it's not like it's a. I yeah. must get every new Kirby game that comes out. My son is actually a much bigger Kirby fan, and he was more excited. Joe, I'm assuming this was right up your alley, though. No, no, like, really. That's the weird thing. Like I really love Kirby games, but I this, this isn't a Kirby game. Yeah, it's not. It's just a, it's a battle royale game with Kirby. That's it. That's all it is. If I wanted to play that, I could go play Smash Brothers. Or I can go play something else. And while it's got a, uh, looks like a few cool, unique things, it, it's not offering enough for me and the visuals aren't enough for me to really consider spending money on it. And I'm, I'm actually sad about that. I was excited and then saw what it was and I was like, oh, okay, next. Yeah. Well, next we had Yokai Watch 2 Psychic Specters. This is the air quotes definitive edition of Yokai Watch 2. Kind of like what they did with Pokemon when Yokai Watch 2 came out. There was two different versions with similarities and differences and what have you. So Psychic Specters is kind of the ultimate edition of Yokai Watch 2. And what's interesting is owners of the original uh, two games, whichever one you have, they get a free download called Oni Evolution, which is actually going to give them a lot of the features from the new game for free. So that's actually a nice way of going about it because typically they like to get that money. I actually, I like that. I had been looking at the original two games as some that I would like to test out because again, we talked about it. It's those pocket monster ones and it's supposed to be really quite good. So that's one I may actually check out. So quick aside, uh, going on in final fantasy 14 right now is the yokai watch event. Uh, it's, it, they originally did it a year or two ago. I forget which, but I didn't, I wasn't playing at the time. So it's a crossover event with Final Fantasy 14 and Yokai Watch, where you can actually get the little Yokai minions as summonable pets. And like, it's this huge grind fest of going through and like unlocking and earning all these little mini medals to get Yokai versions of all of the class weapons. That's awesome, though. It's amazing. <laughs> I've been doing nothing but that for the past couple of weeks. I have a battle axe, a giant two-handed axe for my badass warrior that's a giant cat face. It's awesome. Oh, dude, take some screenshots. I need to see that. <laughs> that is cool as shit. I, I, it's it, like the ultimate reward is a sparkly ghost that you can fly around in as a mount. Like, it's so goofy, but I love it, and I can't help myself. That is too cool. Especially the juxtaposition of the two art styles. Just It works for so many reasons. Yeah, but that's partially Final Fantasy fourteen. They've set themselves up that you could pretty much slap any crazy Japanese shit in there, and it would mm-hmm. fit, and it would be fun. Yeah. 
All right, next up, we had uh, Layton's Mystery Journey. We're still getting Layton games, but now the series has moved on to following Professor Layton's daughter. Uh, this one is Catriel and the Millionaire's Conspiracy. If you love Professor Layton games like I do, this is going to be another great one, it looks like. This is the one that came out, uh, oh, hell, what, a month ago now on iOS. And oh, really? I, yeah, it came out. The only problem was was that the base game, oh, I feel it was like 20 bucks. And then on top of that, you'd have to buy, um, I believe it was just DLC or whatever, but you'd have to unlock other things and pay yet even more. Like, the, mm. I really, really wanted to play this game. And when I heard it was coming out on iOS, I was super fucking excited. Because, again, I've been playing a lot on my new iPad, so it was like, this is going to be great. And then I saw the price, and I went, well, fuck that shit. So... <laughs> If the price ever drops, I would actually prefer to play on the iOS just because it looks so much better than those tiny screens. Yeah. So, but we'll have to wait and see if the price drops. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, we have Mario Party, the top 100, which is a collection of the top 100 mini games from the Mario Party series, which on one hand, OK, that's cool. But on the other hand, it's just the mini games like without the party aspect that kind of makes it all fun. So I ain't paying the money for that shit. Yeah, no. No. And then finally, we had another look at Metroid Samus Returns, the uh, return to 2D form for the Metroid franchise on 3DS. uh, Well, 2.5, really. eh, 2D gameplay, let's put it that way. Eh, Fair enough. It's a side scroller. Yes, it has 3D graphics. So, yeah, but uh, traditional Metroid style gameplay, the game at the time had not come out yet. It, it, it is now available. And from what I hear, it's uh, it's pretty darn good. Yeah, it's actually on my list of things that I want to pick up because one, I love Metroid. And two, from the gameplay footage I've seen, it looks really, really good. I particularly like the the way they do cutscenes, which is where I was getting that 2.5 from, because anytime you come across like a major villain or major boss, anything like that, you get this cool like. 2.5 slash 3d thing that it introduces the boss and the abilities and or sort of like this big like i don't want to say build up but like it's it sort of feels like this heroic showdown happening and then you have these beautiful 3d backgrounds which have this amazing depth on the 3ds from what i'm seeing so i'm probably gonna be picking this up this week mm-hmm and then their big spotlight game for the 3DS, which actually led off the presentation, but like I said, I wanted to get to the smaller games first, was Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. How we were just talking about with Yokai Watch when they did the ultimate version, it was one game. Eh, Pokemon still stuck in its ways of having two different games. Uh, there's looks like to be a lot of changes coming, some new enemies, like even new story elements. So like I still haven't played the originals, so I don't know, maybe I'll pick one of these up. We'll see. Hasn't been long I'm, enough. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's been long enough. I was just going to say that. No, I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. <laughs> like, it, I, don't get me wrong. I love I love my Pokemon. I love my Pokemon something fierce. But I can't justify the money like, so, when, so soon. When yep. did the Sun and Moon come out? Like, it was this last year, year, wasn't it? Last year, October. Late last okay. year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was October, I think. October or November. I'm going to look it up while you guys are talking. It was after World of Final Fantasy. I know that much. November 18th. Yeah. Not even a year later. So, yeah, that's that's pretty crummy on Nintendo's part. Looks cool, though, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and don't get me wrong. Like, I I loved Sun and Moon. I thought they were great games. They were probably among some of my favorites of the recent entries. I just 
no, we don't need an ultra sun, ultra moon already. Like, give it some fucking breathing time. Mm-hmm. I'm not. It was also look. accompanied by the announcement of gold and silver coming to the eShop, but you can just get a version of gold and silver on your DS already. So again, I don't see really the point there. Like, yeah, it's great that it's available digitally, but well, it's not, it's not, it's not that big of a deal if is if it had it, been like the first time they'd been made available. Well, the only thing I will say about that, and this is where I was a little unclear about it, was they they said eShop, but they didn't say if it was going to be specific to the 3DS eShop or if it was something that was going to be available, like like you can buy it on the Switch eShop. Which <laughs> What's the hey, Switch eShop? <laughs> well, there, there's actually stuff that's coming to that later on. We'll, yeah. we'll probably talk about that, but because they're building that up, I'm, I'm kind of curious if it's going to be an option that's going to be available there because... One of the things that's always been cool is playing those older Pokemon games on a big screen. This is why, you know, the the Super Game Super Boy. Super Game Boy, yeah. The Super Game Boy is a thing. And then the Game Boy 64, I actually have one of those, like the third-party knockoff ones. Like, that's why they were things. So, and I even have, I even have the one for the fucking GameCube. That's the, the GameCube <laughs> that's on top of. That awful thing. I remember that. But it worked so well. <laughs> it, like, it actually functioned properly. But there's a market for that. And honestly, I, I would potentially be interested in it if it's something that would be available on the Switch. Mm-hmm. See, this is something we'll talk about it later. Vince, you let me know when, because it's I've been reading more things about people now using the Switch as their portable, replacing their 3DS versus using it strictly as a home console. Which I, th- I, if we go back to when the Switch was first announced, I think that was Nintendo's entire goal with the Switch. No, actually, they've been pushing more for consoles so that people don't think they're getting rid of the 3DS. Clearly, they've got it in their lineup for this. Mm-hmm. But then a lot of people have been writing how they don't even, they rarely ever dock it anymore. And they use it strictly as a portable console a la uh, 3DS and, and Vita. And when they do that, suddenly it's a fantastic purchase because mm-hmm. it is a replacement for the 3DS and for the Vita. And in that regard, it's strong enough to do exactly what you would want it to do for that kind of thing. So I was super interested in that. Yeah. Where if you look back to the original announcement, it's like, who's going to carry around that stupid thing? And exactly. Like, Everybody more so than plugging it in now it would yeah. appear. So, yeah. Well, they, they managed to do something that I think is interesting. They successfully figured out a way to market the NVIDIA shield. <laughs> Seriously, that's what they did. Because the NVIDIA Shield failed. It was a great concept, but it failed because nobody wanted to buy it. There wasn't enough. Because it wasn't Nintendo. And now that Nintendo's got their name on it, even though it's NVIDIA that's producing the the console, uh, I mean, it's got their name on it. It's got games in their library on it. They're starting to finally expand support to the point where I'm actually considering purchasing one relatively soon. They're doing all the things right that are making it a viable purchase and making it something people actually want. So good on them for figuring that shit out. Well, then let's move on to the Switch announcements. Uh, Again, we're going to start with the smaller announcements here. Uh, Splatoon 2 is getting some free updates in the form of a couple maps, one of which I think is out now, if I'm remembering correctly, and a new umbrella weapon. I'm not that into Splatoon. I I get it. Like, it looks fun. It's not a game I'm going to spend a whole lot of time, but admittedly, I actually thought umbrella was pretty cool. See, I know a lot of people that are actually really hardcore into Splatoon 2. They just love the game, whether it's playing with their kids or oh, playing with their friends. It's a great game. I'm not going to deny it. But like stuff like this, that's cool. I, I like the idea that they're adding more support, more arenas. Like, the new arenas look cool. Mm-hmm. Got to get that esports money. 
We sure, need to we'll, get we'll their fucking that. online system set up first if they're going to do that. <laughs> Motherfuckers can't even handle chat in the, in their actual consoles. I don't think they're ready yet for an well, esports competition. I don't think they want to do chat. Like, I think they've been actively you know avoiding that because I've, they don't want people to interact on that level because they're afraid of, I don't want to say cross-contamination, but I, I think I, I wish I could f- remember where I read this. But I think it was a legitimate decision since they started earnestly being online because they didn't want like creepy adults stalking kids. Do you really think it was that? And I'm not saying it's not. Yeah. But do you really? Well, hold on a second. Let me give you the other <laughs> op- option I was considering, <laughs> motherfucker. Do you really think it's that so much as uh, not laziness so much as we don't have to worry about it? It's going to be on the online app or they'll find their own way to do it. So we don't have to come up with a way to introduce us in introduce this from a software and hardware perspective in the machine yes because i was using chat in multiplayer games on the gamecube with a keyboard yes so, but they, they haven't done that for a while now is my point so they've been well, away from that so i think and and you might be right obviously we don't have the inside scoop but i would attribute it more to them saying we don't have to put this in. You guys are doing fine with what you have now. If you I, want chat, here is the iOS or Android app. Use that, and they don't have to. That's the impression I get. I really think it's more that they're trying to preserve this whole family motif mm-hmm. that they've got going because you you have this sort of mentality that when you have competitive games, and Splatoon 2 is a great example, I know a lot of older folks that have sort of gotten into it, and some folks that are straight up, hardcore fucking toxic players do you really want to give them chat no but every game can be handled differently in terms of what is allowed and but nintendo could set it up as well you're, you're where right. at, at that minute i wasn't done <laughs> <laughs> but what they can do is they could set it up so that because it is a family friendly thing a they can set up rules family rules as are in both other consoles that it's the parents jobs to determine who their kids can listen to. And also they could do it in a way where um, multiplayer games like that, if they're competitive things like that, it, it defaults to not allowed say, or maybe it's just not allowed period, but then other online games where it is strictly with friends or people on your friends list, you could have that. There is a way to have it both ways here. There is, but it's also, I don't want to say it's going to be the more expensive option, but I mean, that's what it's going to boil down to. And what's the cheapest, easiest, the cheapest, easiest way for them to just maintain their image and do what they want to do is just not allow it at all. But that's my point is it's, they're not willing to spend the money to put in a viable solution and they have the fucking money. They could do it. Well, no shit. Most businesses have the money. Look at Acta Blizzard or or any of the other companies. They have the money to do things that we would want them to do. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to do it. No, no. So, but again, I'm I'm going back to my point that they could do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyways, we can move on. Yeah, we can. I think so. Okay. (laughs) We had another uh, small look at Fire Emblem Warriors, the, uh, the, Dynasty Warrior style spinoff to that series. Uh, they announced Lynn is going to be joining the playable cast, a fan favorite character. A lot of people were pretty happy to see that. Even though I live in the house with a big Fire Emblem fan, this game isn't really doing much. Like, I, I think when they did Hyrule Warriors, I think that was a more like sensible crossover, seeing as Legend of Zelda is already kind of built on an action base, whereas Fire Emblem is 
you know, always been strategy. It's not a very interactive sort of thing. So like, I, I, from what I've seen, a lot of the Fire Emblem fans aren't really that jazzed over this one. What about your Fire Emblem fan? No, not interested. Really? Okay, then. Yeah. Well, that's telling right there. Exactly. I'm actually really excited to see that the Snipper Clips is getting a new version, Snipper Clips Plus. For anybody who hasn't seen this game, it's actually a brilliant oh, little like puzzle game. It's party so fun. Game. It's a fantastic game. <laughs> they, of all the Switch games they showed, like this was one of the coolest ones I saw. It, it really per, it, it, it's a perfect personification of cooperative gameplay. It's simplistic art style. It's simplistic control and idea. And then adding complex layers of, of puzzle solving that it have to involve two people is fantastic. Like it's just such a great concept. It's, along with, well, I don't want to say great concepts, but interesting ideas. They also showed off Morphe's law, this uh, competitive shooter game where when you shoot an enemy, you take the mass of their body and add it to your own. Shoot somebody in the legs, their legs get tiny, your legs get really big, etc. Which is goofy, but it actually has a lot of interesting gameplay mechanics, you know, where there's places larger characters can't fit, smaller characters can hide, but larger characters have, you know, more traversal options. And it it's bizarre, like it doesn't even look all that great from a graphical point of view, but it's just kind of that weird thing that pops up every now and then. But that's not like that's not like even a new concept. There was a game like first person shooter style game like 20 years ago that did that. Like, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I remember that being one of the game modes was this weird headhunter thing where like you killed your enemy by reducing them to nothing and you gain that size. Like, I, but it is it is a, 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 a cool twist on that. Mm-hmm. Not something that I would really purchase, per se, in yeah. day and age, but interesting. The thing is, is that we're flooded with, you know, these types of co-op games to play. And is this really going to be something that's going to rise to the top or anywhere near the top? And I know for me, if I've got a choice, even though I don't do a lot of Crucible and Destiny 2, I'd still rather do fucking Crucible and Destiny 2. Yeah, fair enough. Same here. (laughs) Now, on the opposite end of the spectrum of original ideas, Switch is getting a MOBA. Arena of Valor, which looks like the most prototypical Dota League of Legends clone you can come up with. I don't think we really need to go into more detail on that (laughs) It was the most generic of generic MOBAs I've ever seen. (laughs) They were even, the way they were described it, it's going to have all of the modes you're used to. And it starts listening and going, wow. Here's the interesting thing. Their arena looks a whole lot like Summoner's Rift in League of Legends. Oh, of course. like, even down to the art style, I'm waiting for this game to get fucking sued. <laughs> I'm I'm not kidding. Like, this looks like something well, that doesn't would... Tencent have a history of that. Yes. There you go. Oh, oh, yes. So I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Riot to sue the shit out of them because I'm looking at this and I'm looking at the gameplay and it's it's fucking League. It's just League. All right, we got uh, we knew Doom was coming to the Switch, but they had the nice announcement that Wolfenstein 2 is also coming to the Switch. So, I mean, the, these AAA, more non-family friendly games are they're giving it a shot on on Switch. So I, I have to give them credit for that. See, I'm a little long enough. Exactly. Yeah. And and here's the thing. And Joe, you are the probably most on board at this point, which isn't to say you're fully on board. 
but you've been saying too, you're very close to picking a switch up and, and everything. And, yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this then. And, and you picked up a Wii U as well. So I know we're of the same opinion there <laughs> and the lack of third party and fucking first party support. Really? Let's be honest for, for their games, for that system. Now for this one, they did say that they're going to be doing a lot more third party, but looking at what we saw here and Vince, I know you're going to keep going with, with more, but just because we're starting in the third party mm-hmm. based on what we saw, do you honestly feel that there is going to be enough third-party development coming down the pipeline for the Switch. There's already more than we've ever seen, so yes. I honestly do. Like, I, I honestly feel that they hit that market, and like we talked about earlier, they hit this market where people are playing their system, they're buying their system, there's a, a, a use for it in that sort of traveling world, and companies are looking at it. They're starting to say, yes, we can actually develop for this because it'll make us money. It's something that we can do and we'll get some return on our investment. When you look at the Wii U, part of the reason that the Wii U failed, and, and we've we've talked to this at nauseum, so I'll be quick about it. It's just it was mainly the controller that people had an issue with. It was a cool concept implemented poorly. You don't want to play a game when you have this giant fucking controller in your hands. We've proven that time and time again. But this, on the other hand, while it's in that same form factor, everything is contained to that little bubble. So, yeah, but the, the cons don't always work either. <laughs> so you got smaller controllers, but motherfuckers don't work. <laughs> that has been actually improving in recent releases from what I've I've seen too. Like they've yeah. see they've I, sort of stealth fixed that. When you look at what was announced third party, it was either not enough or mm-hmm. too old. So for me, when I was looking at it, I still did not see enough third party support to make it but- worthwhile. But there's it getting closer on there, too. I will tell you, it's getting closer, even for me, because, again, we talked about this and I was like, fuck, I'm not wasting my money on this thing. It's simply not worth it. Plus, I got burned with that Wii U. Not going to happen again. And then as I was reading more about people talking about it in terms of portable. Well, of course, for me, that's perfect. I like that. I play on my Vita. I play on the iPad. (laughs) So I like that. That's cool. Never going to take it outside of the house. But inside cool so i'm looking then at the games and a few were announced that i'm sure we're going to get to that it was like ooh, okay that's we're getting closer and there was that bundle that i went oh fuck that looks good actually (laughs) so there may come a time but looking at it honestly for me i'm saying it was not enough third party and what was there wasn't new enough or relevant enough for me see and and even Sorry, I was going to say, even with some of the older games that are, are third-party releases that are coming out, like Binding of Isaac's a big one for me, stuff like that, they ha- they're starting to get enough where I can actually justify having the consoles. I'll play more than one game on I'm going to play more than Zelda on it, right? And that's where I'm at. Like, I, I have to hit a critical mass before I'm I'm at that point, and I'm really close. Like, I'm a, right. I'm a hair's breath away. Well, I think if you look at Bethesda's approach to the Switch, like, it's... It's it, it paints it in a in a good light where when the Switch was first announced, didn't have a whole lot of third party support. Bethesda's like, oh, new Nintendo console, you know, we've been here before. Uh, whatever, we'll give them Skyrim. <laughs> because if if Skyrim doesn't work, you know, we've made our money off that game. It's not gonna cost us a lot to, you know, make a Switch version of it. Then it started doing pretty good. Like, okay, we'll port Doom over. We've you know, we've made our money off of Doom. We're we're not gonna lose anything by making a Switch version. But now announcing 
that Wolfenstein 2 is going to be on Switch before it's out anywhere else. Like, so, you mm-hmm. know, Wolfenstein is going to be a new game. Like, I don't think it's coming out on Switch at the same time as the other consoles, but it shows that they're putting the development effort into it now. So like, I, I think seeing how Bethesda has slowly come around on the Switch, it, it and it shows that but, the industry is starting to grow. No, it doesn't. Standard. It shows that Bethesda is. That's the point well, that I was making, it, but, too. It, it's not everybody it else. Bethesda and other companies see, hey, there's money to be made. Yeah. It'll work. Yeah, Bethesda, Bethesda is a big enough name that when they start doing stuff like that, other companies are going to pay a little more attention to, I think. I don't think so. I, I, I would disagree with you on that. I don't think they have that much clout. Mm-hmm. And, and they have supported it since the beginning. And it's kind of like Ubisoft. You know, Ubisoft can say, we'll put it on anything, but they (laughs) they don't have any fucking clout. They're not going to, they made games for the Wii U and still nobody else did. So the fact that Bethesda is kind of diving really deep into this just to me meant Bethesda is really supporting this, not a lot of other third party devs. Well, somebody has to take that first step. Yeah. yeah. And And if I'm wrong, that's great. Yeah. I really hope that more come about. I'm just so cautious and that's why mm-hmm. i'm not jumping in right now no i i feel you there so getting back to our uh, virtual console discussion from earlier the next thing they announced for the switch is the arcade archives which is going to be downloadable versions of the original nintendo arcade games so the mm-hmm. mario brothers not even super the mario brothers game and uh the versus series with uh Versus Super Mario Brothers, and I forget all the other ones. Balloon fight, fight. fight, They they showed off the the old arcade version of Punch Out, which I forgot existed until I saw that. So we're finally getting some sort of classics collections coming to the Switch here. I'm actually okay with that, and I think that's kind of cool because we have had very limited versions of them throughout the years. So having something like that where it's more true to the arcade, because I mean. I got some nostalgia feels from that. I'm not even going to lie. Like I saw some of those old games and I'm like, I remember sitting in the arcade with, you know, my grandfather begging him for quarters so I could play like the original Mario and, and all those games. Cause they were still around when I was a kid. We need a far more robust online system for them. Mm-hmm. a live and PS plus. And once we have that, where that catalog of classic games that we're buying is always going to be there. We can download it wherever we want. I still am not going to be forking over a ton of money for classic games. They need that system so that it's very easy for us to see everything we've bought and re-download whenever the fuck we want, wherever. Yeah, that that's the big thing here. A, the library is at this point non-existent, and, mm-hmm. and it's it's slowly getting there. But you know, they've done Virtual Console on 3DS and on Wii U, and from what we understand, it's not going to be cross-platform. So if you bought a game on Wii U, you're going to buy it again on Switch if you want to play it on your new system. And even then, the prices for these retro games have not been, let's say, uh, market value (laughs) from what we've seen in the past. I've bought some of the old ones, uh, like some of the old Zeldas and all that periodically went on sale for a ridiculously good price, actually. Mm -hmm. And like you're looking at an old Zelda and it's a couple of bucks. Sure. Of course I'll buy it. Yeah. But I want that on my fucking my file that I can now download mm-hmm. it on a switch. If I could buy a switch and have a library available to me that I can download some old classic games to it and play whenever I want yet another reason for me to then invest in that new system to use it as a portable. Yeah, that that's, that's something they need to do. And I, I still don't think they get it. Unfortunately. Yeah. I don't think so either. 
All right, here you go, Joe, because the next uh, and final of the uh, <laughs> small games that they showed off was the Kirby Star Allies, the game that they've shown previously, but they went into a little more depth on the uh, co-op aspects of it and being able to team up with some of the enemies and combining your powers. So how'd you feel about this one? A little more excited because it was a little more traditional Kirby. Like, I, I like that style. I've loved that style of game that they've been doing since they started doing that with the Yoshi and the the uh, Kirby games for like the Wii. I think it's going to be hella fun. It has some super hard, like super high potential for fun in my household. You know, it's a real Kirby game because the damn tree is in it. Yes, that tree, that tree. Oh, that tree. <laughs> and King DDD, a weird, weird, super buffed version yeah. of King yeah. DDD. Wow. Daddy DDD is in, is in, in charge there. I'm going to start calling him. DDD pop a pump or something. <laughs> All right. And that's going to wrap up the uh, the smaller announcements and we can get back into the spotlight games. The first one they showed off on the switch was Xenoblade Chronicles 2. And first of all, this game is damn gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's the best looking non Zelda game on the Wii or on the switch. I'm sorry that we've seen thus far. Fantastic vistas and world building. And I even like some of the gameplay changes they're they're making here to the this one in that uh, it's kind of got like a persona system, if you will, where like your main characters that that you're playing as they call them the drivers, like your frontline fighters. Uh, they're being supported by blades, uh, characters that have, you know, these uh, support characters that grant uh, abilities and stuff to them in combat. So it's going to be a, an interesting twist because like, I, I'd never played the first Chronicles game, the one that came on a Wii U, but I did play the Xenoblade, uh, the first one when it got re-released on the new 3DS. I enjoyed it, but the battle system definitely started to slog after a oh, point. Yeah. Yeah, it so uh, seeing that there, there's a lot more customization options here, uh, I'm hoping that it's going to, this one is going to keep things going. But what I really liked, well, not, not liked per se, but what I really found interesting was we saw when Xenoblade came out. It was from Monolith Soft, uh, the game, uh, the company that made Xenogears back when they were a team at Square, as well as the Xenosaga games. And it was a big departure for them as far as like style. And when Xenoblade Chronicles came out on the Wii U, it was really a return to form to them with this sci-fi game and like all this cool stuff. So what we're seeing here in Chronicles 2 is kind of a melding of those where it has a lot of the gameplay elements that we saw in Chronicles, but it's getting to like the storytelling and like the, I don't want to say fantasy, but like the steampunk fantasy setting of the the first Xenoblade game. So it's kind of, it's kind of melding together everything that they've done successfully. And I hope it goes really well because it looks very interesting. It, it definitely does a really good job of, of there is actually a genre word for it. It's called sci fantasy. There you go. It hits, that, it hits that right on the head. It's it's the same thing that you find in, you know, Shadowrun and the same thing we found in uh, Fantasy Star Online and, and stuff like that. They hit that feel. The interesting thing to me, and, and I want to see what the uh, the blades are so to speak, like how many more there are because mm-hmm. they sort of hit the the classic anime trope with the scantily clad women being your support in the background, which is 
was I think the only thing that I was a little disappointed by. But that they did that on the first Xenoblade as well, the one that was on Wii U. And that was one of my biggest complaints too, because a lot of the stuff with that game was actually really cool. I didn't love everything, but there was a lot of really interesting elements. And if you wanted story, motherfucker, you could it had you, more you story than you knew what three to do. Steps oh, yeah. And there's somebody who wants to tell you their life story. So there was lore and story everywhere. So if they can kind of you know, maybe pull that back a little bit so it's not as overwhelming and then work with a really good combat system. Yeah, I would like it. It's just, again, that really stupid, stereotypical anime bullshit I could do without. But if they can kind of curtail that somewhat, yeah, it was it was a fun game. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. All right. And then, Joe, you were really excited for the next big game they showed. Well, not big games. It seems to be a smaller game, but their spotlight game, if you will. The uh, as yet untitled going by its uh, development name of project octopath traveler the latest yeah. rpg from square enix which is coming from the team that worked on bravely default and you see a lot of that in the battle system and it's taking a very saga series approach to its storytelling where the octopath is very literal in that there are eight different characters that you can choose to play as at the beginning of the game and each one of them will take a different path through this uh, this world so you can theoretically uh, play through the game eight different times each as a different character and seeing the stories from different points of view uh, of course they're going to interact with the other seven at, at points teaming up with them and maybe not teaming up with them and the interesting twist here is that each of the characters is going to have its own way of interacting with the world and the storytelling uh, the two they showed off they had uh, the knight who could challenge people to duels to, you know, either force his way through or, you know, maybe prove himself. And the dancer who could, you know, allure people to her side and, you know, kind of finesse her way through situations as well as gaining potential new allies in combat. I, I'm just going to even throw it over to you, Joe, when we get to the graphical discussion, because this is <laughs> very unique, but it really works. Yeah, so... That was one of the things that I think I find most striking about it is that it has this amazing blend of like classic 16 bit, but with brand new, highly rendered effects around it with the the lighting, the water, the fire, even the snow particle effects are super top notch. And it does this weird thing. I was going to say, we've been seeing a lot more of that lately. And I don't know about you, but I fucking dig it as like it's. Oh, yeah. It's not a ton different, but it's just enough that it's a more modernized version Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And it really fucking works. That simple a a change, I find, makes a huge, huge difference. Oh, yeah. And I mean, in the way that that little tiny bump up from the 8-bit to like the 16-bit era has made a divine difference in sort of even the independent games that are coming out. But here in particular, I'm just absolutely blown away by the lighting, the cinematic feel of it the god particles that they have going around there with all the 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 effects from the different spells and abilities and it has a crazy crazy depth of feel to it for something that's that's classic almost like top-down isometric ish because it's a little bit more in your face than isometric it's like it's like front folk like it's like a fourth wall style deal yeah it it totally is and that it, it works so well like Everything about this is screaming to me that I need to play this game. Yeah, it. this was 
again, it's, I don't think it's going to be a system seller per se, but it's another tick in the win column. Let's put it that way. Definitely. <laughs> oh, I found it. They, they call it HD 2D. That's yeah. what they call it. That's actually a great buzzword for it. Yeah. I normally hate that marketing speak, but that one works. All right. And then finally, what they ended the show with was, of course, Super Mario Odyssey. We've seen plenty of this game, uh, but they chose to expand upon it, showing off all the cool locations uh, and just get diving into some of like the more minor parts. Like, I don't know about you, but I got a big like Super Mario Sunshine feel for this game. Like as far as like how it's approaching its world and traveling and like all the collectible stuff like. Super Mario Galaxy was fun. Don't get me wrong. Like it was, it was a fun game, good, solid platformer, but I think it lacked some of the creativity that we really saw explode with sunshine. Like, I don't remember when sunshine came out. A lot of people said, this is stupid, but it's kind of like gained its place of like respect of people look back at it and realize it was very creative. And I think we're getting a lot more of that here with Odyssey. Like the hat is more than just a possession machine. Like there's a lot of gameplay mechanics around it. Like, you know, possessing, things in the environment to use as traversal mechanics it's it's simple but it looks like it's gonna have a lot of depth and like for somebody who really likes to like go through and like explore and find all the little hidden collectibles like this is the mario game we've been missing for a while in my eyes they did the the perfect thing and i and this is one of the things that i think sunshine did really really well and that some of the later entries uh, like the super mario for the Wii U and, and things like that captured in a different style, but as well as that every world you visit feels different and mm-hmm. unique and they all have their own impact on your enjoyment or play through the game. And that's one of the things where like, even though you're in the hub world in sunshine, every single place you went was completely different. Every, every place had its own theme in here. They're showing that off more and more and more where it's, each world you visit has its own feel, its own flavor, its own climate, it's its own biome, essentially. And they, they're they nailing that, as far as I'm concerned. And so the two that they showed off, the brand new ones, the the basically fizzy beach, uh, which is essentially a giant beach with a soda ocean in front of it, which was super cool. Uh, and then they showed that jungle area, which was super cool. Like, there's a lot of nifty things going on here. And each one has such a great artistic flair to it that it, it's super engrossing as far as my interest in this goes. And I love the way, like, you hit it with the hat. It's not just a simple mechanic. It's integral to the traversal through the game. Mm-hmm. It's part of the platforming, and platforming is what Mario is all about. Yeah, definitely. And we also saw the cool stuff, like, I'm not going to lie, I actually got a little excited. Not excited, but got a little happy to see him running around in his Dr. Mario outfit because they showed off that coins that you collect throughout the game you can use to buy new outfits, uh, some of which are going to be new to the game and like based on the environments, but a lot of which are also going to be classic Mario appearances, which is going to go along with the photo mode, which I would not have expected a Mario game to have a photo mode. And that's something we've been seeing a lot in games lately that's really working, like, it, people love the photo mode, <laughs> especially Horizon. And yeah, some of, some Bungie, of the Switch. Bungie, yeah. are you fucking listening? 
<laughs> we need that for Destiny 2, <laughs> you <Yes>. bastards. <laughs> Let me pull out my ghost and take some photos with him. Yes. <laughs> I would pay money to Tess. I would give her some fucking Eververse coins to buy a ghost <laughs> that allows me to do that. Oh, God, just think about it. They could put, like, filters and frames into yes. the Eververse and Fuck. make more money, Bungie. Seriously, think about how how <laughs> well, how much attention the, the selfie camera got in WoW when it was first introduced and the filters like when that was first announced it was fun to go out and unlock it and to take pictures after a while it got tiring but i mean fuck there's no reason they can't do that kind of thing here mm-hmm. but i digress sorry <laughs> <laughs> what were we talking about i've got destiny on the brain sorry <laughs> <laughs> well i think we could switch over to destiny there because that that about wraps up a lot of the, the big announcements like i think this was a solid direct kind of leading into the fall season like there's a lot of really good games currently out and coming out on the Switch. They, this holiday season should be a good one for Nintendo, and uh, we'll see where next year brings us. I do like the the bundle console. It it, it is actually very pretty. Yeah. <laughs> and if yeah. they made the improvements that they had to, because there were several things that they were having problems with, and not all of which could be fixed by just firmware updates. Mm-hmm. So if they could fix those very minor things, like especially the screen potentially getting scratched, for me, that's one of the bigger ones. It um, comes with a carrying case. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I... Depending on how much that bundle is and when it comes out, when's it coming out? Do you know? I, I think it's going to come out alongside, alongside Mario. Ooh, so, that's, yeah, that's they, 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 they show on their thing. It's October 27th. Did they say how much it's going to be? I would guess probably like the rest of the ones that they released that were bundles and probably 450. Yeesh, that's a lot. Okay. That's not that much for the game, the case, the especially joy cons. It's about average. For a bundle. Well, okay, let me put it to you this way. I thought the Switch was overpriced to begin with, so Fair. this to me is overpriced. Okay, we moving on to Destiny 2 then? I, I think you're ready, so oh, I'm, I'm going to hold you back. fucking ready. Dude, you are too, and I'm you gonna, know it. I'm, I'm going to be quiet now and let you guys have your time. <laughs> uh, we're actually, again, it's very hard right now not to be spoiling too much because it is still relatively early in the game's release. And, of course, there are a lot of people who have been waiting for the PC version. That said, just as with the last episode where we talked about Destiny, we will spoil some shit. Perhaps even some big things. So if you wanted to hold off until the PC version or till you get through it, skip ahead or whatever. But just warning you once. So you finished the campaign as well. I did. And you loved it. I did. Okay. Uh, I felt that they gave just enough story in the campaign to to really get you invested and keep you going. And then ramped up the tension and the through their mission design and their level design and the, like the pacing in the campaign was spot on perfect that by the time you got to the end, like it felt like a victory, even though like I've seen some articles come out how it's still light on story, but again, I think it gave you just enough story and there's light plenty of other story to be found (laughs) through all the side content. Who the hell said it's light on story? the fuck is wrong with hey, that i've seen several articles that go it's better than the first destiny but it's still not good enough because Bullshit. like they, they still expect it to have like a full rpg story forgetting that at, at its core it's still just a shooter yeah like it's, it's you, not you gonna have a witcher three story yeah <laughs> it, that's not possible but i wow i i haven't read any reviews on it so i'm 
That's why I didn't realize people were bitching about it. Because honestly, for me, fuck, it had more story than I needed. I, I'm not saying I'm disappointed that there's this much, nor or or, or that I'm going to be ignoring it, but rather that there's shit that I have missed that I know I'll get as I'm playing because I'm going to be starting my hunter next because I finished both mm-hmm. my the lock and my titan both got to twenty and both finished the campaigns, so I started my my hunter and then of course I'm going to be playing on PC as well, so I'm going to get through a lot of the various elements in the story. But I mean, even once you're done the campaign, which I'm sorry, but anybody who has anything negative to say about that campaign, in my opinion, is full of fucking shit. And there's something wrong with them because that was <laughs> glorious beginning to end with with elements of it being, for me, highlights in my gaming history. Now, I had that much fun with it and I enjoyed it that much. So, like, I again, I, f- I find it hard to see what could be lagging. From somebody who hasn't played it yet, aside from, like, the beta, I think it's from what I've seen from those reviewers, they're the people that are looking for a reason to hate it, if anything else. Oh, th- this is absolutely true. Like, the people who hated the first one still hate this one. Yeah. See, that you got to consider the source with all things and especially mm-hmm. with reviews. So, but no, I adored it. And then the thing is, is that once you're done the campaign, you still have a lot of story left with all of the yes. things going on under the different planets. There's missions there as well. You unlock a lot of things as you continue to keep going back to the vendors as well. Like I had no idea about Devram. Okay, I'll let you take that point because you brought it up not that long ago. One of the the other podcasts that somebody was pissed off and it was like, I had no fucking idea. It doesn't change my opinion that he's a boring <laughs> character, but I'm glad they entered that in. I'm just disappointed that the, for him, I don't feel there's enough to do with him. Although it's possible that maybe some more I'll be put in later if he's a fan favorite character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely like, with the exception of the guy on IO, I forget his name because he's kind of pointless the uh like the the planet leader characters if you will all of them are great uh but yeah the the one focus here uh of devram k (laughs) of course when uh alicia came across him she's like oh i like this guy (laughs) why (laughs) he just has a certain style to him i guess (laughs) all right but (laughs) although uh, i will say he's one of the characters that i find is the most kind of blocky looking i don't like the art assets that they use. I don't find he looks nearly as real as a lot of the other characters. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I actually get a lot of that from Hawthorne myself. Like she, she's a little really? off. Yeah. Oh, I adore her. Oh, she's awesome. <laughs> I love her, <laughs> especially the interactions with her and Cade. <laughs> Those are priceless but as a character. Yes. But the visual design is a little off to me. And I uh, see. Point. And I love the visual design of her. Absolutely mm-hmm. adore it. And the poncho. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember when I was playing through and came across Devram and, and through like, I think for me, it might've been like, I was doing a lot of the adventures as I was going instead of just focusing on the main storyline. So I was getting a little more of the side stuff as I was progressing through the campaign. But I remember it was odd, like a couple days after the game came out, I was like, why is nobody mentioning that one of the new characters that they established in Destiny 2 is a gay man? Like nobody was talking about it at the time. We didn't know. Because everybody skipped it. <laughs> I <laughs> played through it that, twice you know, and I didn't know. And playing that content, like they're realizing that A, he's like a good character, uh, but B, like this is important. And like 
I think Destiny 2 does that across the board of having um, Soraya Hawthorne, a, a, a powerful female at the, the forefront of the story, and uh, even Sloane. Like we were talking uh, last week with uh, the girls from Hob saying that there needs to be more like older women focused in game. And there you have Captain Sloan, badass hanging out with Zavala. And I was like, I, when I first saw her, I was like, oh, I like her. Like I liked her visual yeah. design. She had like yeah. a very Farah look to her. Yes. <laughs> I was like, she's badass woman. And then I come to find out also voiced by Sissy Jones. Are we, you serious? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. That is fucking yeah. awesome. Cause I love her too. Yeah. So like, there's a ton of great uh, character introductions here that, it's going to expand the Destiny universe, uh, both lore and story-wise, as well as uh, with diversity. So I'm very happy with what we're seeing there. Wait one second. Sissy Jones, you didn't say you were in Destiny 2. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I was like, did I lose him? <laughs> no, I just had to tweet something. I was waiting for that. <laughs> we may be hearing back from from Sissy at some point. <laughs> that's that's a thing though, and it's obviously not surprising then that she is in there because holy fuck, the voice acting in this game is astounding. Like unfucking believable everyone from just the fucking ai fail safe all the way through to uh, well this is, character uh, september 6th sissy speaks i think i'm finally allowed to say this i mean it to me commander sloan destiny 2 i mean she did I tell pay us. attention to her twitter i don't know what roger what, i what never he I, didn't know fuck you i don't scroll back if it doesn't happen to, in front of me it didn't happen i think we've lost him <laughs> <laughs> I broke him. I... Well, uh, sorry, Marty, you're not joining the podcast because I just broke Roger. <laughs> I wasn't pressing a button. <laughs> so here's what's going to happen. You guys are going to be listening to the podcast, maybe if you decide to, and you'll hear me because the recording app picks up directly from the mic. <laughs> so my comment is there. You just didn't hear it, which is fine. We can move on. <laughs> <laughs> it was, what's funny is that prior to the episode joe and i were talking about like trying to set up discord because we're having a few issues and uh, and i was talking to vince about it too because i'm having an issue where i have to push to talk it's not allowing me to just use voice activation for whatever fucking reason it's the mac client and uh and so this i said no you know i'm doing all right though i'm i'm remembering to press the button all the time clearly not <laughs> I mean, should I also should I also let you know that she is a voice actor in NAC 2, Dishonor, Death of the Outsider? Like she's in these games. She's also in Dishonor. I follow a lot of shit. You sure? I just didn't know about Destiny. Fuck you. I just didn't know about Destiny. (laughs) And that is the most important thing right now is Destiny 2. That's all I fucking care about right now. So, but going back to Devron K, what's funny is that, again, like, I had played through twice the campaign now, and the first one, actually, I did more a blend of Planet Side Quest and the main campaign, and then the second one, I just stuck to shit on the planet until I hit 20, and then I did the campaign. So, I was around there all the time, and I was doing quests. Hell, during the day, I would often leave a character parked up there, and during breaks, I would kind of run out and do some shooting and then 
park the character back up there. And I wasn't always listening, so I didn't get the the background chatter kind of thing. But for enough of it, I actually was. And I never fucking heard him use these lines. I still haven't. So I'm going to have to be <laughs> making sure to be doing as much as I can with him to to see just how in-depth it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I don't think it's like, you know, in your face, like, like super well established. Like, obviously, if a lot of people missed it, but I mean, it's there. Like, I, I think they could do a better job. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I, I didn't miss it. I could tell you that much. Cool. Okay. Did you get to Zer? Uh, yes. Zer made his first appearance for people who were wondering what would be happening with him in Destiny 2. He Bringing with him items I already had. <laughs> All of them? Well, I mean, I had the pauldrons on my Titan and I already had the Merciless uh, pulse rifle. So uh, okay, see, I the only thing I had were the gauntlets, so I bought the other three things. And, well, I'm, uh, I'm not leveling warlock or hunter, so you're only playing one character. I'm playing uh, or Titan on times. PS4. I'll probably be playing hunter on PC, and uh, there's a possibility of me playing in the Xbox version in the near future. So I'll probably play a warlock. Really? There. What's prompting mm-hmm. that? Uh, Friends, Alicia's boss owns several Xboxes for the company. <laughs> Uh, and he would like friends to play with. So uh, we've awesome. already borrowed one and we might be borrowing a second in the near future. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, the um, I, I I really like the um, the weapon that he was selling. And then oh, Merciless is amazing. The oh, fuck. Yeah. You like I got it and, like just down. in a regular exotic Engram. So like this is awesome. And then it's like available on Zuri. He was like, oh, my God, this is the best weapon in the game. I was like, damn it. I had it. Yeah. Like, it was my little secret. <laughs> and uh, and I picked up the other three because they're both actually good for whatever your class is. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's Zerp. And he's now appearing on different planets. He's not going to appear in the tower, clearly. So you have to go looking for him. That said, he... More importantly, he sticks around for more than two days now. Yeah. You just have to look on the different maps and you're going to see his icon. It's mm-hmm. super, super easy to find him now. He was up in a fucking tree. At least I got to figure out how to get to him, though. I like that. Like, I hope they stick him in, like, these weird places. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing with the chest, too, from from Cade. And mm-hmm. this is what I like, too, because there are different things that you can do once you hit 20 as well. If you go to the the main three characters, your, your Cade and Zavala and Ikora, they each have different things that you can do. Well, Zavala is just you're getting points when you're doing strikes, so he doesn't really count and then but Ikora will let you replay some of the mission uh the story mission segments and you get experience for that with her or faction experience i should say and then cade will actually sell you essentially their treasure maps and there's <laughs> lore that goes along with it basically he's getting chased all over the place or something going wrong he had to ditch oh, the, weapons. the letters that you oh get yeah it. so you have to read the letters I, of course i'm very interested in this cade Ecora ship that's going on y- yes <laughs> or this this fucking something happened with them at some point yes. some adventure <laughs> that he's not allowed to talk about <laughs> but uh but those those treasure things you go around to a different planet each week is going to be a different planet and there's you get the the markers it's a spade and you basically go looking the problem is is that his little blurbs will be like i was getting chased so i had to ditch my my what i was carrying it's under a giant eyeball you'll know it when you see it and it's like well fuck that doesn't help <laughs> because there's like a vast subterranean map on almost each planet if not on each planet like Everything below ground is almost as vast as everything on top. And then on top, 
is platformed. So it's not just whatever's on the ground. You yeah, have trees like, to climb. You get a marker on your map. It's good there. fucking luck. Could be a mile up. Yeah, or, or down. down. <laughs> so I was having problems with one in particular that I could not find. And this is a testament to the clan that I joined because I was chatting with them on Discord and they were immediately helping out saying, it's here, look here and here. And I was kind of scoping out and I still couldn't find it. I was like, okay, I'll keep looking, but thanks. And then one of the fucking guys says, uh, give me a second. He popped up in my game, showed up right beside me. He showed me <laughs> another chest I hadn't spotted and then ran up and I never would have seen it because it was in a weird fucking spot. And um, and then he he shows me the other one and I got it. And he says, OK, I'm going to go back to my son now. He was watching his five month old. <laughs> I was like, you fucking rock, dude. <laughs> but those are fun as well because sometimes you don't feel like a full story thing you don't feel like going out and and just kind of wandering around looking for trouble but you want to do something and this is just that you kind of scope out a place and it's a you're hunting for treasure and and sometimes the shit that you find from him is going to be pretty fucking good and likely an I upgrade. I think that might be where I got my merciless from because yeah. I know I got an exotic engram out of one of them. Yeah, they're awesome. So it's, again, yet another thing that's fun to do that isn't just running a, a strike or a nightfall or, or a raid. And then we can get into the raid in a moment. But have you done any of the strikes yet? Uh, I've only done a couple. Uh, I did uh, what was it, the one that was in the beta. Inverted and spider, I, yeah. just today I did the Pyramidian, the Vex one. I loved that. I love like, them like all. The, yes. Like with like the trap rooms where... <laughs> you know, it, it's not a platforming segment per se, but it's still like a lot of mobility stuff. Like I really enjoyed that one a lot. Plus that, like the fights themselves were great. Is that the one you're talking about that has the, um, like the, the, the bars, lightsaber bars that kind of yeah, switch yeah, up kind of like thing. The laser fences. I hate that fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> because you're the one that just dies. And wait oh, for somebody else I, I die a lot in those. I, I, I kind of time them right most of the time, but I run a lot of strikes. That's what I do with my time. And invariably there, if it's almost like a cascading effect, they're like fucking dominoes. You screw up that first one. Even if you're rest and healed, fuck it. You're going to die on everyone for, from now on, you are not going to be able to time it right. But I, I like how they mix it up. Like you have the horizontal and vertical ones, and then you have some where like you're jumping down a hole and you got to like use your boosts and jumps to, to get around them. And then they have the spinning ones near the end. <laughs> like, oh, fuck I, yeah. I, I, I was a blast. I loved that one. But the encounter itself, when you look at the entirety of that map, because that's a long one too. That one takes mm-hmm. a little while. It's a fantastic strike. Like there's a ton for you to do, or if you want to bypass some, you can, but there's so much and it's a very well-designed encounter. The ending, that's the one at the end, is it not that you drop down to the circular platform and you're kind of chased around and it gets electrified at different spots? Is that not the same one? No, no. That's the one where you're fighting like the giant mind, like it looks like a giant hobgoblin. And then, like, he'll imprison himself in the the barrier, and you yes. got to stand on the little circles to get him out and shoot him again. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of these strikes that are... And there's a lot. I don't know how many there are exactly, but there's a lot of fucking strikes. I'm, I'm genuinely curious how many are in this game, because I'm constantly seeing something new. Or, alternatively, it'll be the same strike, but they'll kind of change up the mobs, or they'll change mm-hmm. up certain aspects of the encounter. And I dig that because it, it, it just takes that little bit to make it feel fresh 
and different a little bit, requiring p- perhaps even different weapons or strategies. Right. I, well, I here, fucking love it. Have you done uh, the Nightfalls yet? <sighs> no. I need to do How do you feel about the new Nightfall system? Uh, you mean the taking someone through or are you going through with somebody else? No, as far as them being timed. I uh, I know very little about them. I, I, I essentially oh, like, dude, it's so cool. I love that idea. Yeah, I, I love it because essentially they're trying to did you, you know get rid of people who could solo the nightfalls. Well, but, you know, it took three hours by putting in a timer. But as you kill enemies, you can and do other things in the mission. You, you extend it. the timer. So people are like, oh, it's so stupid. It shouldn't be a speed run where I'm avoiding the enemies. I'm like, well, if you're doing that, you're doing it wrong. You're supposed to fight your way through like with forward momentum and you should have plenty of time to get to the end, but it's, it's a way to ensure that you go in as a fire team and not one guy hiding in a corner with a sniper rifle for two hours. Yeah. And not only that, but there's, there's some other cool stuff that they're doing with this. And I'm sorry, I know that I'm like not playing, but I've been no, doing please. tons no, of research into this. Please. A lot of the exotics and legendaries that you're getting, like, I don't know if you guys, I, I posted it in, in our share chat or like way long ago, but the rat King, which is a, it's a rat hand cannon. It's cool. But how you get it, you mm-hmm. have to complete a strike. Yep. yep. There's like, a bunch that, of those. That's the last leg of it. Yeah. But like, there's... And then certain ones, like, only special abilities activate once you've completed the strike component, the shadow strike component. I think that's fucking awesome. I agree. It gives you incentive to actually do them. Yep. And there's a bunch of them. I'm actually holding off it. Ironically, I've been having this conversation with uh, Belgas, who's guested on this show, and I we're in the same clan. I joined his clan. and uh, And one of the things that has been suggested by pro players has been to hold off on those quests until your light level power level is mm-hmm. significantly higher, like over 300 and it's fucking hard to get to 300. Like I've I been just bashed. hit 261 today. <laughs> I'm at 269 on my lock and 270 on my Titan. And those few points yeah, were after like 260. Oh, it's, man. it's rough. It, it gets hard. So 300 is a long time to wait. But then you wind up getting a, a, a weapon that's significantly higher as well because it bumps up. Like I've got that, that Mito quest sitting there. I'm like, I'm not touching you yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, stay the fuck away from those things. But yeah, no, you're, you're exactly right, Joe. Those I, I had one and I kind of started working on it and then I stopped. And I said, no, I'm going to wait and, and do it later. But uh, but yeah, and that's that's one of the cool things about the the weapons. Like they had some of that in Destiny 1, but not nearly this in depth and not this many. Mm-hmm. And uh, what else we were talking? Oh, the um, yeah, the Nightfall. I haven't I haven't done one yet. And I'm hoping maybe even tonight I was talking with Belgas that we may get together tonight and run a couple of Nightfalls because I need one on each of my tunes. Mm-hmm. Did you watch any of the raid stuff? Uh, a little bit. I haven't gone too much into into it yet. Yeah, I haven't I either. Haven't. I'm 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 kind of holding off for now until they kind of streamline it. But again, the client has gone through. They didn't finish it, but they played for like three fucking hours to get to one point. And I'm going, oh, okay. I'm going to wait That's till progression you guys. rating. You know, yeah. eventually you can knock the whole thing out in an hour. I'm going to wait till that point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will be disappointed that I'm not getting the gear. Well, but what's cool is that. like. It, with the clan system, like as the clan like accomplishes certain things as a group, we get with or without you, you get engrams from Hawthorne. Huh? So if the clan finishes the raid, it doesn't have to be the whole clan. Like I think if at least three members of the fire team are in the clan and they finish the raid, everybody in the clan gets an engram with raid gear. Well, fuck. Our clan leader finished the uh, trials and yeah, we got all engrams and it's like, it was we love you. Keep doing that, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you keep that shit up. We'll stay in your clan. 
listen, I contribute my 5,000 XP a week. This is true. This is true. So the I am very much looking forward to the 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 raid being at a point where we can more easily get through it kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. But that'll be once we all get our power levels up. So that'll be cool. And it is a slog, but man, it's still a ton of fun when you get that Engram. It's not as much fun when it pops a fucking pair of gauntlets you already had. <laughs> Motherfuckers, because that happened to me. Do you have once. any idea how many of those portal guns I've gotten? I've gotten three of those really? portal guns. Really? I haven't gotten yes. one. You motherfucker. Oh, man. <laughs> Although the last gun I got. It's not even all that good. It's fun. Don't get me wrong. The first time I used it, I was like, oh, I'm going to use this. And like, I was on Titan and I just ran up to a knight and I just launched him over the horizon. I was like, <laughs> I almost died like in game because I was laughing so hard. That's funny. I got uh, Vigilance Wing. Which Ooh. is fits in your your main hand, so it's not even one of the mm-hmm. other two. And I got it at level two eighty two, and wow, it's fucking amazing! It's an amazing gun. I've been using it instead of my power gun on bosses. Mm-hmm. That's how fucking good it is. So that shows you again that as we continue to get better and better gear. These strikes and nightfall strikes and, and the raid are going to be much much faster. And, like and with that, the way inf- they've made it so much easier to get the legendary marks. Like, it, you, if you find a weapon or piece of armor you really like, you can keep it forever with the infusing option. Yes, like, yes. It's no longer like a chore to get the materials you need to infuse something. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And that infusing system is really well done. You, you a, can a lot play of the changes they made want. to the gear system to streamline it are very welcome. Well, yeah, that and being able to just make a copy of a weapon or whatever from the collections for all of your characters. Mm-hmm. And you're swimming in those legendary shards at one point. So oh, yeah. it's not a big deal to just duplicate weapons for everybody kind of thing. So there's a lot of the just to make the game there's a term I'm looking quality of life. There's a lot of quality mm-hmm. of life improvements that they made which are also kind of MMO nods, which is what they needed to do more of. To oh, make yeah, they had to embrace that. They had to. Yeah, they didn't yeah have exactly. A so but, one thing I would ask for in, we'll say, you know, year two of Destiny 2 is an armoire style feature like we just got in Diablo 3 where I can switch specs and gear at the same time. Like, you know, right now all my gear is loaded out you, from my void spec, but if I want to play Sunbreaker... I have to manually switch every piece of gear over like the solar stuff that I have. So like yeah, a lot of, a lot of games, that's already a great do that cute quality of life change that I would really appreciate. Yeah. You can, you can do that with uh, you can set triggers like that in a lot of games when mm-hmm. it should be very easy to implement. And if they have any questions about it, company that does it really well, uh, blizzard is right next door to help yep. them out. So fucking make use of them. Bungie. Come on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's pretty much the only thing that I, I think is missing that. And eventually, Again, if they're fucking working with Blizzard, why not get that transmog stuff working? Because mm-hmm. I hate the fucking wings on my warlock from the, the chess you piece that though? I got. I fucking I, hate them. But hate I don't them. want. I don't want to be. I, here, here's one of the things that's weird about it. Like I love the idea of it for like non exotics, but it would have to specifically be for like non unique items. Because then you would have people that are like running around like, look at me, I have this. And then they don't actually have it. Well, also with Crucible, like if you see a warlock running around with those wings, yeah. you visually know what to expect from him. And if but, you can yeah. transmog out of that, that's a huge advantage. It is, but and, they did that for Battlegrounds and WoW. 
You can transmog your gear. Nobody Who knows cares anymore. About WoW? But you can't. But you can't <laughs> do certain items, and you can't do legendaries. You can't do legendaries, but you can do a lot of other things. You can change your outfit quite a bit so that it's harder for people to know exactly well, that, what the, spec you're running. Second. But the only reason that they did that is because they also normalized battlegrounds, where the gear has little to no effect aside from item level. That's it. So the appearance is not as necessary as it used to be in like vanilla pvp with wow so they can do that there they can't necessarily do that here unless they put a system in that normalizes the gear and light level well what they can do i understand what you're saying i agree to sorry power degree, level but now. yeah um it's fucking light level <laughs> the, I, i'm um, never not going to call it light level I, exactly the um what they can do is just further enhance the system that they already have in place that they're using for weapons of allowing you to have transmogs as well because there are mods for mm. various exotic oh, weapons that you can change the look of. like to give you different appearances then that's what exotics about. i'd be all for it but they, i still think it needs to have a unique appearance that it can be visually recognizable but that's the thing if they, if they offer say three looks to yeah. the exotics kind of thing. I'll give you that. Then, and it would encourage us to continue to farm to get those motherfuckers yep. as well, or buy them from tests again at Eververse. So, and then we would know, oh, those three, that's the look for that outfit kind of thing. So it, it, it can still work that way. Mm-hmm. Now I'll, I'll definitely give you that one. So I hate the fucking wings. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. I even changed it with a shader. So it was the least objectionable, <laughs> but it's still fucking wings with gem sticking out of it sticking off my back it's like oh god so yeah initially when i saw it i thought oh that looks cool it does not take long that you're like oh for fuck's sakes still looks better than my fucking burning crusades titan though (laughs) (laughs) my titan is a mess (laughs) i didn't even have to say burning crusades my son came by and looked at me he says that looks a lot like uh like uh wow that's it and i didn't even i just looked at me he says Burning Crusades, and I went, fuck yeah. (laughs) Universal comparison. Everybody understands that. So any other parting thoughts on Destiny 2 for the the time being? We are going to be bringing Uh, it up often. One thing I'm really enjoying is all of the little scannable objects you can find out in the world. Uh, There's an immense amount of lore that you can pick up by finding those. Like, if you hear your little ghost beep, pull them out and look for it, because there's some cool stuff. Like, I am, like, I've been spending a lot of time just going around on Titan, exploring, looking for that stuff, because I have a feeling that's going to be very important for the story coming up. Like the hive is up to some shit on Titan. Like there's been like if you spend time looking uh, a lot of uh, like new strains of the hive that are are being grown on Titan, as well as I'm pretty sure one of the God worms is swimming around in that ocean. Really? There is some shit going down on Titan, and it's fascinating <laughs> to me. All right, fair enough. That is going to wrap up the episode for this week. Thank you very much for joining us. You can find the show notes at For the Lore. You can also find us on Twitter at For the Lore. Individually, Joe is Lord ZJ, Vince's Smodian, and I am Zen Buddhist. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher and leave us some comments there. Joe, you got a plug before we go. I do. So pay attention to my Twitter accounts, folks, if you're out there, because my local gaming group, Good Job Gaming, 
has started fundraising for Extra Life. And every year since 2012, we have done a 24 to 48 hour live stream, which has included several games, both of the video game and digital nature, as well as tabletop games, card games. And uh, because we don't sleep during this, we get really nuts for your enjoyment so that we can raise money for women and children's hospitals and the local help funds. Uh, so I've been tweeting out links to it. Be sure to, to check it out. Uh, when the live stream goes up, I will be letting you guys know. But in the meantime, please consider donating to Extra Life. It is a great cause, one that we feel very, very strongly about and one that I am very proud to help represent. Definitely, definitely. Good cause. Make sure to check it out. Like I said, he is at LoaderZJ on Twitter. And with that, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you in a week. With Marty. Which could go either really well or horribly <laughs> fucking wrong. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. <laughs>